Hey there, welcome to the podcast. My name's Tim and I'm your host. On this episode, I sit down with Rob Bridgman, founder and CEO of Snug, the sofa in a box company. We touch on his personal experience of moving house, which led to Snug, how they've bucked the trend of VC funding and creating not just a product, but a category. And yeah, something went weird on the recording. I don't know what it is, but I sound like I'm in a tuna can. The good news, Rob sounds great. Before we get into it, quick word from my sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Clayvio, Clayvio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Clavio gives you the tools to get growing faster. That's why it's trusted by over 30,000 e-commerce brands. Build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit clavio.com slash your basket is empty to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash your basket is empty. Enjoy the episode. Rob, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Great to be here. Very well. It's uh, about 34 degrees where I am. Um, so, yeah, it's good to it's be. A stinker. Yeah, yeah, it's a bona fide stinker. Um, I... Uh, I, I, I uh, am in my spare room and um, it is, yeah, I, I've only, I've, I've, I've been working up here for like the last, well, whatever, three, four months, right? And yeah, over the last couple of days, it has become very apparent that it is a sweat box. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'll need to do something about that relatively soon. Um, I want to talk about this uh, D to C aircon business because uh, yeah, yeah. it's buy in. <laughs> exactly. Yes, the D to C aircon is is definitely a uh, is definitely a thing that's on my mind. Uh, I imagine on a lot of people's minds at the moment. Um, but anyway, I like to start these things off um, with with kind of a little bit of background on on you and your journey. So maybe you could give me a little bit of insight in what you were doing before Snug. Yeah, well, I've been working in various marketing roles for the past 10 years, um, ever since leaving uni. And the, the company I joined 10 years ago was going through a bit of a transition, and it was um, moving really from being a manufacturer and a wholesaler to more of a direct-to-consumer company. Um, and my first project, actually, uh, straight out of uni, was uh, migrating from a custom ASP.NET informational site to a uh, e-commerce platform. And uh, to say it's a steep learning curve would be a uh, yeah, bit of an understatement. Uh, we chose to go with Magento, which uh, back then was the, the sort of the only show in town. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't know what I was doing, to be honest, but uh, I figured it out. And um, really, I've, I've been in marketing for the last 10 years, and it's been a really good um, grounding for me, really. I, when I joined this company, um, I was the uh, I was a marketing team of one, so I just had to figure it out. Um, no one in the company knew what marketing was really. Um, we knew, you know, the importance of marketing to sell stuff, but uh, we were new retailers, or we were transitioning to being new retailers. And um, yeah, it was it was a really good grounding actually to uh, to to have to do a bit of everything and speak to everyone. Um, and just figure it out because um, I found that that was a really good way to learn uh, and to really understand things that, that go into uh, marketing or, or selling a product successfully. Um, and yeah, the, the company I joined back then was, uh, was a luxury furniture company specializing in mainly outdoors. 
Um, and you know, in 2010, there wasn't really anyone selling furniture online um, or, or really any high ticket items. There was you know, the likes of eBay, um, but there were a few companies, but none of them were really doing any tremendous volume. Uh, but we found quite quickly um, that people were willing to spend money online. Um, even you know, back then, eight, nine hundred thousand uh, pounds. But also combined online with um, a retail presence, uh, which is now you know uh, tried and tested clicks and bricks strategy. But we found that to work very early. So um, that's something we've been doing for the last ten years. And that, that, that's really interesting. So how did you, you must have been quite uh, early on in the scene in terms of seeing the, the digital marketing space and how you would take marketing into that world? What, what did you? What have you seen over the last ten to twelve years? I guess uh, hindsight's a great thing. I didn't realise at the time the uh, the shift that was happening. It just for us, it was just. Um, you know how can we how can we sell more furniture? Where where do we find our customers? Um, we were in the industry for thirty years, um, and uh, because we were wholesalers, we didn't really have our own customer base. So the focus was, you know, how do we find our customers? How do we keep our customers? And um, yeah, how do we get more of them? Basically, so hindsight's a great thing but um yeah this combination of uh using uh using online and offline uh to to find and attract um customers um worked really well for us and um back then i mean i was uh i, I spent a lot of my time trying to game google and uh, this was, you know, 10 years ago, SEO was uh, backlinks and uh, mm. and it was, it was easy. It was, it was something that, uh, you know, not many people were doing. Um, I mean, uh, Google, uh, PPC, we were looking at 8p a click. And, um, you know, now it's, it's, well, at least 10 times that, maybe, you know, 15 times that. So... I just wish I knew what I know now with uh, where Google was going to be going um, with, with CPCs and uh, cost per acquisition because I would have spent a lot more money back then um, because yeah, it was a lot cheaper to, uh, to acquire customers. Yeah, that's really interesting because like, it sounds like the fundamentals of what you're trying to achieve uh, of finding, acquiring and keeping customers, that's not changed, but everything else <laughs> around it has it and it's gotten more complex and more expensive. It would seem absolutely <laughs> right. So let, let's fast forward ten years. Then, so tell tell me about Snug. Like, what 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 what's the idea? How did it come about? And, and where are you at? So Snug was born out of a frustration, really. Uh, it's both personally and professionally. So I was um, I was moving home. Uh, I just bought my first home in uh, London. And um, I, was, I was previously to that living with some friends in some uh, rented accommodation. And we had these two big three-seater sofas uh, that uh, it took us about an hour and a half to get into the living room. And uh, we had to take up these spiral staircases or townhouse staircases. And uh, the landlord was watching us move in and he just spent nine months renovating his, his, his house. 
Um, and you can imagine uh, he's um, dismayed watching us move these three-seater sofas up these uh, winding staircases and just yep. denting and marking every wall on the way up. Yep. Um, but yeah, we, we got them up there okay in the end. Uh, it took us a, a good hour or two. And uh, we just said to each other, right, the, these aren't coming back out, or at least they're not coming out in, um, in one piece. And actually funny, my, uh, my friend's just moved out of that flat, and he said, how are we going to get these out? Uh, and uh, I, I said to him, get a saw. So he, he actually, he's just sawn up those sofas to get them out. There you um, go. So, yeah, we, we knew that uh, they were kind of, we'd, we'd get them in, but uh, we didn't want that stress of getting them back out again. So... When I bought this, um, this flat, I always knew that I wanted new sofas, but um, having been in the industry for 10 years, I guess I was a bit complacent or um, I, I didn't quite appreciate um, what goes in or what, what was required to buy a new sofa. Um, and when I, when I bought my new home, I was really excited to move in. Uh, got to moving in day. And um, like many people, um, I uh, was quite focused on, you know, the move and, and sorting all of that out. Um, and then I got into my new home and uh, didn't have any broadband, didn't have any furniture, didn't have anything really. Um, and uh, went to, you know, buy a sofa thinking I could get it in a week or so. Uh, and realised it was going to take at least sort of six plus weeks which was a shock to me really because um with our you know furniture uh, like outdoor furniture company that we um, that we have uh it is like a three or four day delivery so i just thought well, this is this is crazy surely there are ways to get you know decent quality sofas um quickly um and uh basically that was yeah the start of my search so i went up to one of the biggest uh, furniture shows uh, in, in the country. And I went and spoke to a couple of dozen uh, furniture manufacturers and um, they were all telling me the same thing. So six to 12 weeks for, for a sofa, uh, which I just knew wasn't right. And um, uh, the, the only reason that that would be is that, um, you know, that the basically you order it, they use that cash, they go and get it made. And um, and then you have to wait as a consumer for uh, yeah for that to be made bespoke for you. And I just knew that there there had to be a better way. So um, I was chatting to my colleagues who were moving moving home at the same time, and they were all saying the same thing. Um, yeah, six to eight weeks for delivery. So I, I just went with it. I didn't really have a choice to be honest. I was sitting on the floor, or you know. Not <laughs> Not using my uh, flat at all, which is uh, which is a shame because it really took the excitement out of uh, having having my own space. But um, uh, ended up buying a couple of bean bags on Amazon. Spent about 150 quid. Uh, they haven't been used since. That's a bit of a waste of money. But um, yeah, I, I waited what was supposed to be six weeks, uh, but I waited nine weeks for my sofas to arrive. Um, and when they arrived, I wrote to a few friends to um, give me a hand on a Saturday morning. And um, uh, after, again, after about uh, 40 minutes to an hour of trying to get these sofas in through my uh, small Victorian flat door, um, I only managed to get half of them in. 
So there was me having waited nine weeks and having roped in a, a few friends on a Saturday morning. Uh, they're stuck with uh, yeah, half a sofa in the, in the flat and half it stuck outside. And um, yeah, still, still in no better a situation. So I contacted the company and I explained, you know, I can't get this sofa to fit. And uh, I felt, you know, felt pretty stupid, really, because I'd done all the measurements, but uh, it was a few millimetres out. And I thought, yeah, you know, I'll make it work. But um, I didn't. And um, because I'd chosen the colour and because it was made for me, uh, it was deemed bespoke and I couldn't send it back. So, uh, yeah, there was, there was me stuck there with having spent a significant amount of money um, and waited nine weeks and I still didn't have a sofa. And, and yeah, that's basically my light bulb moment. Uh, and it, it came out of yeah, real frustration of mine. But um, yeah, I, at this point, I've been in the industry for kind of eight years and was quite used to this direct consumer model. Um, and the, the background of the, the company I was at as well, we were furniture manufacturers. So I just thought, well, can we not just use all of the experience we have to, um, to create something that's uh, better than what's already out there. There you go. I always like that when um, an idea comes out of like something that you experience yourself, because you know I think all the, the all the challenges are around us in the world. Right at every point, you're like, hang on, why why isn't that easy? And and it's very interesting to see how like the the, the clear issue, the nine week wait time, and then a sort of being stuck halfway in and out of a house. And then, yeah, the kind of eureka moment. I think that's very interesting. So, where are you guys? So, where is Snug at the moment? So, and, and so it, it's a, um, it, it solves both of those kind of issues that you, you talked about, right? So, uh, I suppose quicker or, or well, better thought out supply chain, but also the ability to get the sofa into an apartment much easier. So, it's like a modular solution, right? So, what, 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 how did it work at the moment? And what, you know, where exactly are you at with it? Yeah, so we compete at the intersection of quality and convenience. So, uh, you know, you've got the IKEAs of this world who are very convenient, and um, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't uh, say anything bad about IKEA. I think they've got a great business, a great business model. Uh, sorry about that. My computer's uh, having a few tech pushes. Um, and yeah, no, I think um, on the pure play convenience side, you've got the likes of IKEA, great design, um, very, very quick and easy. Um, but it's, it's for a specific um, audience. So it's, it's typically people that are at uni or, or kind of just leaving uni. Yeah. Um, or uh, maybe in rented accommodation uh, that have, don't really want to invest a huge amount in um, uh, keeping furniture that's, uh, that's, that's going to see them through for a while. Um, but we wanted to create a, uh, a high, higher quality product that's um, you know, still accessible, um, but that can um, change and adapt as, as life does. Uh, so uh, we designed a product that um, was what we think uh, to be very comfortable um, and um, fairly attractive. And then we reverse engineered it so it would come apart. Um, so it would essentially um, be able to uh, yeah, clip together or you can un unclip it without any tools 
um, and uh, build it in a few minutes. And um, the, the benefit of that is that um, A, it's very good for you know, people with access issues like, like we do, um, but also it's, it's really good for um, the uh, like flexibility of the product as well. So what you could do is buy a three-seater today and then if you move home in you know, two years' time and you end up with a bigger living room or, or a family or more people in the household, um, then you could unclip one of the arms, pop on a corner and build it out on the other side, mm. uh, which, is, which to, to us is, um, you know, that, that's the real thing that differentiates us and our offering from the rest of the market is that um, the products you buy today um, can be adapted um, as your life changes. Um, so it's, uh, it's yeah, we, we would like to think it's about the most convenient um, uh, convenient offering there is out there um, and one of the more innovative ones as well. Um, but uh, it's also uh, makes it a lot more sustainable as well. It means you don't have to keep throwing sofas away or, or in my friend's case, cutting them up. Um, so it's um, yeah, it's built for it's built for people that move home often or um, don't necessarily know where they're going to be in the next three to five years. Um, but also people that want something that's good quality that um, yeah they can get quickly and they don't have to worry about any access issues. Yeah, that's really interesting. The kind of longevity aspect of it, and it can kind of follow you as you meander through life that's that's really interesting so i, I suppose it, it, the the there's something in a box concept right i suppose a very common one being the mattress in a box concept is, is something that is um uh, a, a, a similar area and those <laughs> those brands have seen some struggles i know recently but i'm kind of keen to understand like did you look at that sort of that market or that sector as something um, to take learnings from? And if so, what, what did you kind of learn from it? Yeah, so I've, I've watched the, um, have, having been in the furniture industry for the last 10 years, I've watched uh, quite a lot of these companies um, uh, pop up and um, always knew that back, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, it, it wasn't quite for us. It wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't our skill set. We've always made seating products. And um, when I've seen these mattress in a box companies pop up, I've always uh, watched them very closely. And um, I, I do quite admire uh, some, of, some of the brands out there. I'm a, uh, I'm a customer of Simba. I've got multiple of their products and I think they're a great company. Um, but uh, I think the, the the business model is is very similar. I think the customer base is very similar, um, and uh, I yeah I think it's it's a pretty strong D to C model. Um, where I think we diverge, and, and this is where we've got the benefit of uh, hindsight a bit, is um, on the the way that the businesses have uh, been funded or the way that they um, are uh, geared up for sort of growth. So um, for me, it's, it's quite interesting watching what's happened in this D2C space, um, in particular, the business models and the, the funding routes that they've taken. Um, so I've grown up with um, a, uh, my father is, uh, he was a qualified accountant, 
um, before joining his father in the furniture business. So I was taught the importance of money uh, and not owing people, if at all possible. Um, and my my business life has always been uh, turnover as vanity and profit sanity. And um, really to juxtapose that, uh, the whole time I've been watching all of these companies pop up um, and go from you know zero revenue to to 10, 20, 50 million in, in three to five years. Um, and I've watched them and thought, wow, that's, you know, that's really impressive. But then it comes out that um, after you know, five to, to seven years, they're either downsizing or restructuring or you know, that they can't continue uh, as an ongoing concern because they just don't have enough cash. Um, and, and we've seen it with many competitors, direct competitors as well, that they, they come from nowhere um, and they give tremendous offers and they're giving, you know, unbelievable guarantees for, you know, the, the longevity of their product when we know, you know, it's not possible to sell a product for that price uh, with the, that length of guarantees. But then they disappear as quickly as they pop up. Um, and uh, you know, for, for us, it's about creating a, a, a company that's going to be around for decades, not, not years. Um, so, so when we were looking at the different funding options available, um, I made a conscious decision that we weren't going to be raising any venture capital money, um, despite following, you know, the tech industry and, and watching some of these companies quite closely and, and how they've grown so quickly. And, really admired that is we stopped ourselves and we in in my mind um i don't think venture capital is right for the furniture business because uh it's not technology uh, once you've sold a product to someone you can't sell that same product to uh to, to someone else uh, because it's a piece of furniture it's not mm. technology um and I think in the last year or two in particular, it's really come, um, it's really, you know, become quite evident with these poster childs of direct consumer, the uh, Caspers of the world that um, have this, like, or had this unicorn status. Uh, but then as soon as these investors look at their, uh, their balance sheet, then reality kind of hits and, you know, Casper have now had to pull out of Europe, um, and as have Lisa, um, and, and all of these companies that have grown tremendously, employing all of these people, uh, suddenly the, the, the business has just had to restructure, had to pivot, and, and pull out of key markets. It's interesting, isn't it? Like, the, yeah, the rise and fall. <laughs> I think that, that, that that's a... a uh, a good insight into um, like how one can um, look at that funding journey in, 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 in a different way and, and really base it on growth and revenue and the kind of um, the real uh, meat and bones of the, <laughs> of the balance sheet as opposed to getting funding. But you've touched on it a couple of times and you, you, you had experiences with the, 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 the business that you were in before and there are ties to that, you know, family ties, as you mentioned. Like, I'm always intrigued in those instances. Like, I think it can, I imagine, be a 
uh, a massive bonus, but it could also be a hindrance. So what, what have been your experiences in, in, in that instance? Um, I, would, I would say the, the big benefit of um, my past 10 years experience in, um, in, in a company that hasn't had a huge amount of funding that, and that has thought about um, you know, cash and profitability is that we've just had to find ways of making things work. Um, it is extremely frustrating to see people come along with much deeper pockets and grow extremely quickly and, and you're kind of, you question yourself like, are we doing the right thing? You know, um, it, it's going to take us five years to get somewhere, whereas the you know, company that's just started is going to take them a year. But then you've just got to think, well, you know, what, what are we trying to do here? What, what are we trying to build? And um, for me, it's about trying to build something that's sustainable. So that's, um, and that will be around for, for many, many years. And um, that, that's taught us to be um, very good with, uh, or very, uh, I guess, careful with our decisions, but not to the extent where it slows us down. So I'm, I'm a pretty avid reader, and um, one of the uh, more pertinent books that um, I've read over the years is um, The Lean Startup. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Eric so, Reese. Eric Reese, those names? Yeah, Eric Reese. Yeah, yeah. So I've taken, I've taken quite a lot from that and, and many books that are similar to that. And um, I think this concept, the concept of uh, minimal viable um, product or prototype is really powerful. Um, and one of our mantras is to, um, uh, to start small and scale fast. Uh, you don't need to uh, use huge amounts of money or huge budgets to prove that, that something's going to work. Um, I mean, we started Snug with uh, £30,000, uh, which sounds like a lot of money. Um, but for that, we bought 50 sofas, we uh, launched a site, we brought on a team, uh, we put together a six-month marketing campaign, which included paid, owned, and earned. Um, uh, we decided uh, that we were going to do as much as we could in-house and that um, you know, we, we even started with a different brand name because we didn't want to pay any legal fees to trademark or license the, the snug brand name that we have ended up with. Um, so I, I think in, in business things are never done and um, it's quite easy to look at you know big companies that you admire like the Googles and Facebooks of the world and think wow they've all got it figured out but if you look back uh, at, like you go on archive.org and you look to see what their site was like 10 years ago then it's, it's amazing to see really because it's quite humbling you realize that actually every company has to start somewhere and um, you're never going to get it right you're never going to get it perfect but as long as you're pointing in the right direction um, then you'll figure everything else out um, and I mean that the, the other route we could have gone down is um, we could have uh, done we could have launched in the way we launched which was really bootstrapped lean um, but then uh, looked at uh, you know private equity or uh, more likely angel money um, yeah. at the time um, and you know, poured a load of rocket fuel onto the um, onto the trajectory, and and just uh, yeah, and just got to where we've got to a lot quicker. 
But that's not to say that that's the right thing to do because we've, um, we've had to learn what works and what doesn't work. We've uh, taken feedback from our customers. We've built community organically. We've, uh, you know, we, we haven't spent thousands of pounds on creating content. We've done it with uh, you know, a, a couple of mates and a, we've been driving the van. But that's all part of it. That's all part of the fun. It's what makes us us. And um, you know, if we came to it with you know a million pounds in in um, in someone else's money, then we'd be playing the game on their terms, not on ours. Mm, yeah, totally. I um, imagine it's also like a, a bit of a lifestyle thing as well. Then, right? It's like, what sort of environment do you? Well, one, one, what sort of environment does one excel in, and also what sort of environment does one actually want to be in? Like, what, <laughs> you know, what, what, what is more enjoyable, and what, what gives you more satisfaction, and you know, like, what do you get out of it? And that, that bootstraps model, and I suppose, yeah, kind of uh, not going with with general trends is is an interesting one. The you you talked about um, when we chatted a while ago the idea of creating a company product and a category can you talk me through this in a little more detail and i suppose you know to what extent do you think that has happened yeah so what what we knew when uh we started uh snug or snug shacks it was back back then uh is that we didn't want to just create another furniture company uh, because who needs another furniture company? Um, there's already enough out there. Uh, so we realised we wanted to do something different. Um, we would really struggle to be better than um, some big, you know, sofa brands that are already very well established um, and that um, have, you know, have some decent products and, and big customer bases and, and deep pockets. So um, as part of this kind of lean or agile mentality, we knew we had to do things differently. Um, and uh, that, that made me realize and, or remember a, a book um, that I read about um, Blue Ocean Strategy or, or Blue Ocean Thinking. And it's this concept of um, a red ocean is where all of your, uh, where the market is at the moment. And it's, uh, there's lots of competitors um, and everyone's fighting on, uh, on price or on, um, you know, features and benefits and uh, the market's been commoditized. Uh, and it's this idea of um, why compete on someone else's terms? Why not just create your own market um, and uh, the ecosystem uh, will form around you? So that's been really central to, uh, to everything that we've done uh, since launching. Um, and uh, from, from the start, what we realized is that um, we didn't just want to create a, a great product or a great company, but that we wanted to also create a great category. Um, and the, the number one thing that we had to do um, when we realized this is, you know, uh, that the product and the company is very, you know, well documented or there's people that you can speak to about that. But what we found is that to create a category, we had to really understand what what um, what that involves. So um, there was quite a lot of speaking to uh, to different companies that have uh, been pretty early on in uh, creating categories, but a lot of reading, a lot of trial and error. And um, what we realised is to to create a category, the first thing you need to do is name the category. 
um, and the, the category that we um, that we came up with was sofa in a box, which um, uh, was quite a hard sell at the start because it doesn't sound very sexy. It doesn't sound very comfortable, like a sofa <laughs> in a box. And, like a tiny like, sofa in a box, not a model. Yeah, yeah, it's like really a sofa in a box, and um, <laughs> and yeah, I. I remember countless conversations with people that uh, say, oh, so what do you do? So, well, I sell a sofa in a box or we're, we're the first sofa in a box company. And, um, uh, and people thought well, I was a bit crazy, to be honest. But um, uh, it, it allowed us to kind of define what a sofa in a box is, why it's different from a sofa, um, and to uh, really start that conversation. So... So actually, really, as category creators, our job is twofold. One is to inspire um, uh, customers, but the other one is to educate customers as well. Um, so quite a lot of what we do is, is at that intersection of trying to inspire and to educate um, people as to why a sofa in a box is um, better and different from a, an ordinary sofa. Yeah, it's it's it, uh, I must I must get that book after we speak because I wouldn't mind checking it out. Very interesting concept. Um, the the I'm keen to sort of like switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit more about how uh, you know how you kind of navigate the world personally. And I suppose now is a very interesting time. So what does <laughs> what does a typical day look like uh, in Rob's life at the moment? Typical day. Uh, wow. I don't, I don't think I'd say I have a typical day. Um, it's uh, life in lockdown, I guess. Um, we, we've been quite lucky. Um, I mean, when lockdown started, as we were an e-commerce company uh, and we are kind of vertically integrated, we've got our own um, warehousing distribution as well. Uh, for a, a, a third of the company uh, it was you know we just had to keep the lights on we just had to keep going so we put in a lot of um, safety measures in our warehouse and and with our uh, logistics uh, part of it and uh, basically we went down from a, a office um, a team of 17 to 5 overnight to yep. really on the skeleton staff so um, when that happened, we sent all of the, uh, the marketing team, the side that I'm um, sort of a bit more involved in the commercial side of the business, um, we sent everyone home uh, to, to work from home, you know, to, to lower the risk of, um, of uh, you know, any infection or, or anything like that. So um, it, it's actually been a really good um, uh, experience for, for the marketing team because, we uh, tried as best as we could to have stand-ups every morning, but uh, life kind of just gets in the way and we were only doing them, you know, once or twice a week. So, uh, but now our, our morning always starts with uh, a, a stand-up um, for you know, 20 to 40 minutes with, with all of the marketing team, um, which sets the day off right and we all understand what we're doing. Um, and then from there, it's, it's just kind of looking at any campaigns we're working on. So uh, right now, we're, we're just about to launch our second collection tomorrow. Um, so uh, it's kind of all hands on deck at the moment with, uh, with the launch for that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's varied, which actually for me is, is perfect. Um, I, I like the fact that every day is different. There's a, a new challenge or a new opportunity every day. Um, get to uh, work with some, some amazing people and, and just have fun with it, really. 
Yeah, that's it. That's, I like the uh, that that positive um, outcome of the kind of the slightly unusual situation of like being able to do stand up, which were which were a struggle before. I think that's an interesting yeah. concept. It's something that's come out of this. So, um, I got a couple more questions before we kind of start to round it out. I, I'm keen to understand if um, y- you've ever been given a great piece of advice and what that is, and what advice would you give to somebody who's embarking on a similar journey to yours? Interesting. So I think the advice that I would give to someone uh, that, that's starting out is, is just start. Uh, the thing that really um, made me uh, take this really, really seriously is I, I've tried to um, start a few businesses, uh, again, all kind of bootstrapped and all very lean um, on my own. Um, as, as kind of like side hustle type things and um, it's, it's really easy to get bogged down in, in you know all the detail and um, it's, it's quite difficult to keep that kind of momentum going but um, I would say just you know just start and, and just try and make progress a tiny bit of progress every day and, and over time that compounds and um, you get to where you want to get to a lot quicker um, but I'd say my main one is is actually just enjoy the journey because uh, it's so easy to to have targets and um, that target is continuously moving and, and you'll never you'll never get there and if you're you're constantly thinking about where you want to be then you're always living for tomorrow so my my main mantra is enjoy the journey just uh, you know roll with the punches whatever happens happens but if you're having fun it it doesn't really matter you know Um, so I I try and instill that as much as I can Um, we try and do things that um, we try and do things that are just pure uh, just just fun and and we we, you know when it comes to marketing you some things you just can't measure and, and it's not even worth measuring it's just let's do it let's just you know have a bit of fun with it and Referring to like you know guerrilla marketing stunts here, or um, you know just 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 doing some stupid things. So uh, I mean, we we made a polystyrene replica of a uh, a big sort of normal sofa and and walked it through Liverpool Street Station at rush um, hour, which, uh, which which was which was pretty stupid, and we shouldn't have done it at rush hour because I didn't realise how pissed off people are, but. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's just, you know, have a bit of fun with it. Like, I want to look back in, in 10, 20, 30 years time and just say, you know, yeah, that was, that was great fun. They were, they were the days. So um, I just don't want to have any regrets. I just want to have fun with, uh, with everything that I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, life, classic, classic uh, adage, right? Life's too short. So just right. Right, enjoy it. Right. Right. Final bit. And this is not so much a question, but it's, it's for you to, to plug away. Where can people find you? How can people connect? You know, websites, all that sort of stuff. I, uh, I extracted myself from, uh, from most social media sites uh, a few years ago just to try and steal a bit of my life back. But um, I'm, I'm now active again on LinkedIn. Um, I think LinkedIn's a great platform. Um, and, uh, yeah, so you can find me just by typing, uh, typing Rob Bridgman into LinkedIn. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd love to connect with people. Um, I, I think um, LinkedIn's an, an amazing medium. In fact, it's, it's one, of the, uh, one of the ways that I've connected with people in and outside of our industry. Whenever I have a question, you can just literally 
uh, eight times out of ten, someone's going to respond to you if you're respectful of their time and um, offer some value to them as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I think LinkedIn uh, is probably the best way to contact me. But, um, yeah, also you can head over to snugsofa.com, see what we're doing. Um, also Instagram, DMs as well. So, uh, yeah, I hope, hope to hear from, from a few of your listeners. Great. Uh, Rob, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me, mate. Thanks so much. Really enjoyed it. There you have it. Big shout out to Rob for joining me. Go check out Snug at snugsofa.com. Before I go, a quick word from my sponsor, Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. If you want to learn more, go visit them at clavio.com slash your basket is empty. And yeah, finally, if you like the podcast, uh, show it some love, like it, subscribe it, download it, tell your neighbors, tell your friends. I will see you next time. Taking notes because I don't like being ignored.